0: And if you want to learn even more about Thorn, go to episode 323 of Behind the Shield podcast and you will hear my interview with Wes Barnett and Joel Totoro from Thorn. This episode is sponsored by 5.11 Tactical, a company that I've used for around 14 years now and continue to use to this day. And they are offering you, the audience, a 15% discount, not on one purchase, but continuously. And I'll give you that code in just a moment. But I want to do a product showcase on their new Atlas sneakers and boots. So I'm a big believer in the fact that footwear can either improve our health or break down our health. And the Atlas sneaker actually has a new foam system that disperses the body weight, whether just the body weight, whether it's a a vest and a gun, whether it's EMS bags being carried. And on top of that, they're lightweight, despite having the same protection that's required in the tactical space. So I have a pair of Atlas sneakers myself, and I can attest they're extremely comfortable. On top of footwear, of course, 5.11 offers a gamut of uniforms and equipment, whether it's plate carriers, backpacks, flashlights, you name it, they have it. All you have to do is go to 5.11tactical.com and use the code SHIELD15. That's S-H-I-E-L-D-1-5 at 5.11tactical.com, and you will save every time you purchase. And to learn more about the company 5.11 Tactical, you can listen to episode 338 of the Behind the Shield podcast with the CEO, Francisco Morales. Welcome to episode 434 of Behind the Shield podcast. As always, my name is James Gearing, and this week it is my absolute honor to welcome back on the show, Dr. Gregory Smith. Now, Dr. Smith is a physician specializing in pain management in LA, and after seeing the opioid epidemic, began treating his patients with CBD, ultimately setting up his own company, Red Pill Medical. So we discuss a host of topics, some myth-busting when it comes to hemp-based products, to what he's seen in California this last year, the holistic areas that we should be focusing on, mental health, and so much more. Before we get to that conversation, as I say every single week, please just take a moment, go to whichever app you listen to this on, subscribe to the show, leave feedback, and leave a rating. Each five-star rating truly does elevate this podcast, making it more visible to others. And this is a free library of over 430 episodes now. So all I ask in return is that you just help pay it forward and share these incredible men and women's stories so I can get them to everyone else who needs to hear them. So with that being said... I introduce to you Dr. Gregory Smith. Enjoy. Well, Dr. Smith, I want to start by saying thank you so much for taking the time to come back onto the podcast today.
1: Well, it's been way too long, and it is an honor to be here, especially for your audience, uh, who are hard-working people.
0: Beautiful. Well, yeah, we tried to meet up in L.A., and uh, I think the fact that I was even get, able to get out there was a miracle in itself, but I know we weren't able to do it face-to-face. But uh, I think there's a lot of very important conversations, and you have, a, you know, obviously, a unique perspective coming from the more holistic side of medicine and being in California as well. So I'd love to kind of start the conversation with... You know, overall, your observation, your experience of this last 12 months, and then we'll obviously segue into some of the holistic versus um, pharmaceutical things that you've seen.
1: Yeah. You know, it's, it's really strange because for the last year, I've been radio silent. You know, as you probably know, I was doing a lot of media up until about a year ago, and I was silent because I sort of couldn't believe what was happening. But I also wanted to make sure that I got all the information and the data before I spoke out about the controversy that is COVID-19 and the way that it's been handled. But um, I can tell you that sometimes I wake up and I think that I'm in a bad episode of like The Twilight Zone or some kind of (laughs) sci-fi movie because it seems like 2020 uh, dragged on and then it went by really fast. It seemed like it dragged on and then just boom, it was over. But we're still, you know, here we are still living it in you know, late February of 2021. But but the bottom line I think is, and, and this is, you know I try and stay out of the political part of this because it, it really to me doesn't matter the person's uh, libertarian, Democrat, Republican, independent, whatever. I think that um, almost everybody understands or can see that something isn't quite right with everything that's happened. And I think that uh, the amount of just disinformation <clears throat> Um, misinformation, omissions, and flat-out propaganda—that's occurred in the last year—has been unprecedented. Um, and, and what I mean by that specifically is that a lot of the things that we have done to people in our society here uh, have, has, has is going to cause uh, harm for many, many years to come. So when we when we look at the way that this thing w- was handled, and we've we've had pandemics and infections in the past and in the past and every time in the past successfully, you basically protect the people that are most vulnerable um, and, and, uh, and everybody else sort of goes about their business using common sense. But this time it was the complete opposite. And we're still in that situation where we're, we're basically sort of quarantining the whole population. Um, and and I think everybody's lived through through this and has heard lots of different perspectives. But I want to put a few things out there that I think is important for people. And and that's and and, and one thing, James, I, I want to make sure that we do is I I'm, I'm all about solutions. I mean, there's a thousands and thousands of videos and and documentaries, many of which have been banned or deplatformed for telling some of the uh, different sides of the story. But I think we have to focus too on the solutions, which which I have many for that. But But what we've seen here is a situation where we've taken a disease or a a virus, COVID-19, and it's been so politicized and so fear-mongered that it's been completely blown out of proportion. And it's not to sound insensitive at all because to people that have had a loved one that has died or suffered, but there's people that, that die every day. That's just part of life. But when we look at, to, let, let's skip to today. I mean, based on the latest statistics today from Johns Hopkins, it's about 500,000 people that have passed away in the United States from COVID-19. And that's if you believe the numbers. And of course, many of you have heard the high rate of false positives uh, of the, the, the test and, the, and the, the actual person that invented the test apparently said this wasn't the PCR test was being made for COVID-19. But if you take their numbers at face value, it's 499,000 people. There's 330 million people in this country. So if we had one percent of the population die, just one percent, that'd be 33 million people. So this is a 0.001 or percent death, you know, amount of people that have died. Uh, a death rate or survival rate of, of approaching 99 percent. So when you start to put together from a higher perspective. I think that people can, can see how how overblown this has been. And again, not to be incentive to the people that are sick, but if we had spent time to quarantine or protect the vulnerable, people that have multiple medical issues, cardiovascular issues, diabetes, obesity, these are big ones, and advanced age, and advanced age with illness, because there's a lot of people that are 65, 75, 80, that are very, very healthy. Um, But again, protecting these people, we would have had a much different result. So again, if we look at the statistics, the survival rate is very high. But when you watch the corporate media, what you see is a 24-7 barrage of how bad it is and that the sky is falling and that we're all going to die. And, And so this instills a tremendous amount of fear anxiety and stress in people, which in turn actually weakens the immune system, making these people ironically more susceptible to get sick from a variety of things, not just COVID-19. So, I think that we have to put it in perspective for people, and and, and I tell people, tell patients to stop watching it, because the constant barrage of it is is what is harming people. I just want to bring up something that's, that's very interesting, and if we... If we thought, if we were to sit someone down and force them, which would be torture in itself, but to force them to watch CNN or, you know, <laughs> or some network, uh, 24-7 cable news network, could be any of them. I mean, CNN to me is, one, is the worst, but I mean, could be any of them. Uh, 24 hours, just pump them full of medication so they'd stay awake. They would be, probably have post-traumatic stress disorder after it's over. But in reality, if we actually told the truth, and talked about all the great things that are going on on this planet, just the fact that the planet still exists, just the fact that you can go out into the park or the forest and and see nature and all the beauty around us. If we talked about all the people that are doing great things for other people and and neighbors helping other neighbors and all the the feel-good stories, the 24-7 newscasts would be probably 99% great news. And that little ticker tape at the bottom would probably run for maybe a 30, 40 seconds, saying all the bad things. But what we have is a complete reversal of this. That's presented in a tidy, uh, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a small, tidy package for consumption of all the horrific and bad news that's going on all over the world, condensed into a few minutes. And then they just tell you over and over and over again. And they bring on guests. We have. Doctor, so and so, he's going to tell us how bad it is, and you should wear two masks. No, maybe three masks. Maybe you should wear a bodysuit. And people are so fearful at this point, doing things that are completely illogical. You know, there, there's a there's a whole mass debate that we can get into because I'm familiar with both sides of the literature. But I think that common sense has gone out the window. Apparently, common sense isn't common anymore. When you see people driving in a car with the windows up and a mask on, when you see people running, no one within 100 yards of them in any direction, and they have a mask on, this is this is nonsense, and I don't understand where that part is coming from. You can make arguments for other times to wear a mask, but again, this is coming from this the, the, the place where people have been fear-mongered to the maximum, and I see it in almost not only just patients, but almost everyone that I know that their baseline stress levels are high and all these things actually contribute to making you sicker, not just with COVID-19, but regular influenza, bacterial infections, just mental uh, and psychological disease and harm. Um, so, so my overall view of this has been a, is that it's been completely politicized, it's been completely overblown in terms of the deadliness, and the infectious rates, I mean, there's been studies that's shown that it is actually less infectious than influenza, um, but you would never see that. Um, you would think that, that obviously people think they can go out outdoors, especially here in, in Southern California. It's, it's absolutely the worst, where people apparently feel they can walk outside in fresh air and somehow contract the virus if they don't have a mask and gloves and all this on. So there's a lot more to say about that, but I'll, st- I'll stop. it's <laughs> your, your show. So I want you to go ahead and ask me a question.
0: No, but I, but I I'm, you know, we're having this conversation because obviously, you know, that we talked before, you know, I use CBD on a daily basis. I, uh, you know, you went from the, you know, the pain medicine side and seeing the opioid crisis and bringing holistic solutions to that. Therefore you clearly, you know, care about human life. So, it's people like you who's, you know, who's not opinion, whose work, who what, what you see, I value because we get the other side of the story. We get bombarded with, this is the worst thing that's ever happened, shut down the planet. And what drives me crazy is when people try and say, well, hey, what about obesity? What about some of these, you know, underlying health conditions? What about the health of our nation contributing to the higher death toll that this virus is exposing? Why are we not having that conversation? And I think what's been so irresponsible about the reporting is it's not even not mentioned; it's actually suppressed. It's 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 literally seen as heresy if you have the audacity to say that the four hundred pound patient died from a cardiac related disease and not COVID, just because they tested positive for COVID.
1: That's right. That, that's right. That- you, you, the points you brought up is very, very important. This is also this whole crisis has also shined a light on just the poor health of Amer- of the American population, and and the vast majority of these people that have passed away, um, are have multiple problems, and and mainly related to obesity, which can cause you know, which has contributes to type two diabetes and contributes to heart disease and. And vascular diseases and all these other problems. And that isn't emphasized at all. You just get the, oh, another person died. And when a person does die that's younger or seemingly healthier, then that, that case, that red herring, and there could be other factors, but that red herring is really emphasized to, again, scare the public. They can say, see, a 22 year old dude died from it. It's not just old people or this, this, this teenager died from it. And then everybody goes, oh, my God, kids and teenagers can die from it, too. But when you do the actual numbers, it is absolutely minuscule. I mean, the fact of the matter is if you're healthy and under the age of of 70, again, approaches 99 percent survival rate, not death rate, but survival rate. So we have caused unbelievable financial ruin, especially to small business owners, restaurants, things of that nature. We have caused incredible amounts of stress on the healthcare, first responders, community. Let, let me let me just throw this stat out there. And A lot of people may not know this, but the suicide rate among physicians was already about double than that of the general population. So that's pretty, most people don't realize that the doctors kill themselves normally at a rate twice than the normal population. Since COVID-19 has started, we've seen an uptick in physician, suicide, other healthcare workers, suicide, um, depression, anxiety, all these things are way up. And then when they look at the general population, the people that are, um, that, uh, sorry, a little pop up there. The people that that make under $40,000 a year versus people that make over $100,000 a year, the numbers are tremendous towards those people. Uh, that in the lower income brackets that are having problems across the board, anxiety, depression, suicide, because they aren't insulated from all this uh, isolation uh as people are that have resources and money,
0: yeah, well, you mentioned first responders too, and obviously this applies to you know doctors and nurses and you know other people that were basically shift workers through this whole thing. but when this first died, one of my huge concerns was. It, because of sleep deprivation because of the way we work I know you know from all the experts I've spoken to that our immune systems are already broken down I'm very fortunate I'm two years retired and sleeping my well own bed every day so mine should be pretty pretty good again now um, but you know I was very concerned about the the first responders and the medical personnel because they were not only on the front line but also much more vulnerable because of the way they worked is that something that you've seen through your lens too
1: Absolutely, the the extra hours working, the stress of the situation, seeing people sick and seeing people die, feeling helpless and somewhat hopeless because again, people in this community are their their world is very skewed. I mean, I I, I know that I remember clearly years ago when I was in medical school and I was rotating through transplant surgery and and uh, brain sur- or neurosurgery. I would, I didn't see the light of day for 30 days because we would start rounds at five in the morning and we would finish at nine, 10, 11 o'clock at night. And I remember how down and depressed I felt. And then I realized I literally had not been outside during the daylight for a month. So this is the same. And so my whole world was doom at that time because that's all I see. So when, 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 when first responders are constantly responding to emergencies and horrific situations, that sort of closes down and becomes their world. And again, the stress and the anxiety all weaken your immune system, not to mention the fact that people are concerned about bringing something home to their families. I I know people that that have literally isolated from their family because they're still seeing patients wherever. They don't even they, they, they've rented apartments or sleep in a part of the house that's sort of isolated. It, it just depends on the level of concern or paranoia, however you look at it. Huge stressors. So, yes, this is why it's affecting uh, people in these communities really, really, really bad. Really devastating situation.
0: Yeah. Well, another observation I've made recently is the way that this was presented to us, you know, nationally, internationally, whatever you want to look at it. Um, And it's about empowerment as well. So the way that I, you know, have perceived the way the information has been put out is wear a mask, you know, socially distance, um, you know, stay at home, lock down. And I understand trying not to overwhelm certain areas. Now, I think there's a lot of areas that wouldn't be overwhelmed personally, but there are some that are definitely more vulnerable with a very, very dense population. Um, But what that didn't do was empower the people, the community To take control of our own health. And I really wish that it had been framed the other way. Assume that you are going to get COVID. So think about what you're eating. Try and get outside, get some daylight, get some exercise. Think about hydration. Think about the quality of your sleep. Take CBD, for example, so that, you know, now you're bolstering and preparing your body for not only COVID, but whatever else might, you know, come your way. But I think the way it was framed was, oh, you don't have to do anything, just wear a mask and stay inside and, and you're doing your part for your country.
1: Right. And that, that's one of the things that the the false sense of security of mask wearing, which up until last year, pretty much every study ever done showed masks don't, aren't affected. But all of a sudden, there's this huge outpouring of literature in 2020 saying the masks do work. But um, but the bo- but bottom line here is that, that uh, you're absolutely right about being healthy. I think people have to realize how amazing their immune system is our immune system can literally fight off everything and and these news reports showing the big bad virus it 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 takes away people's personal power and and one of the things that i'm going to want to do for your listeners is i want to and we'll go over this later i will give them an email to to send to but they can get i have a whole immune boosting protocol which includes cbd that that's free Yeah, I I just, I I give it to everybody that can show people how to support their immune system even more to make it stronger. Because I I don't fear viruses and getting sick. I rarely get sick. And I'm not saying that is from an egotistical standpoint. I'm saying that because I make a point on a day-to-day basis to do things to keep my immune system strong. Because I don't want to get sick from anything. Too busy. I got too many things I want to do. So I don't want to be laid up in bed. And I think if people know how incredible their immune system is, how incredible the body is. It, the body is light years of, of, of away from above and beyond any technology we've ever invented as humans. And if you give it what it needs and support it when you're in stressful situations, again, like healthcare workers and first responders that are under tremendous stress, and business owners, people dealing with tremendous financial stress, this is the time where you do the deep breathing, the meditation. You do things that support your psychological uh, and physical health. This is this is very very important, and I and I want to make sure that we give people the tools to do that.
0: Yeah, well, I think another important point you, you touched on was the the fear element. I don't think people realize that. The more scared we are, obviously, it's going to disrupt our sleep, but also just overall, we're actually breaking down our immune system with, with the stress. So by the fear mongering, not not the middle of the road, sensible medical community, but the especially the kind of media element and you know, the extreme voices, we're actually making our men and women even more vulnerable and more likely to have a more severe reaction if they do get this virus.
1: That, that's correct. And we have to understand that fear is a is a great marketing tool. It's been used forever. And it, even in things that you don't even think about in regular marketing uh, campaigns for whatever, a car or something, they often use a negative to get people to act. And and so this is on steroids from what we've been told by the corporate media and, and different you know so-called leaders and people fear-mongering us because fear sells and fears get gets uh, people's attention, but the negative things it does is it shuts down logical and rational thinking in the brain. When someone is paralyzed with fear, they don't think normally. Again, if people weren't in fear, they would never be wearing a mask in a car with their spouse with the windows up. They would never be wearing a mask when they're walking. I, I've, been, I've been in hiking trails. And there's no one around. I mean, I'd see one, two or three people for a half a mile, mile, and it it was hot, this was last summer, wearing a mask outside. That's when you actually should be breathing fresh air. That's when you should be taking in nature. That actually strengthens your immune system. But fear shuts down logic, and that's what you see people doing illogical things uh, out in public at this point. that, That includes what they're doing and the mass shaming and all the other things that you've seen you know, on, on television.
0: Well, as I mentioned before, you know, you you were definitely a voice in the opioid epidemic and, you know, the, the holistic treatment of. What have you viewed yourself in in the California area as far as mental health and addiction just in the general population this last year?
1: Well, not just in California, but everywhere because I've, I've dealt deal with people in different states, but the, the suicide rate and the overdose rate has gone, uh, has gone crazy. I actually know two people personally in the last six months who had their uh, millennial age uh, uh, children, uh, I shouldn't say, or adult children die from overdose. And they had both been sober for years. One of them was a doctor's son, and and they'd been sober for, for years. But when the lockdown started, the meetings, the, whether it's NA or AA or just support groups and, and the community was stopped, those things were closed down, people uh, lost their income, some of them had to move back home, they felt isolated and lonely, and all these things and boredom are triggers for for addiction um, and, and overdose, and so sometimes when people have been sober for a period of time and they resume, they may take the same amount that they got when they were doing it all the time, and that can be a functional overdose and, and people die in their sleep. So I don't, both of these people didn't commit suicide, they just overdosed, they weren't trying to kill themselves. But this is a sad situation, but it has been very, very devastating. Um, in, in the population of people that I, that I see, and other colleagues of mine see, it, it's the, the amount of uh, depression and anxiety is through the roof. I, I'd say 80 to 85% of the people that I normally interact with are in that category it's heightened it's only about maybe 10 or 15 percent of people that have, that have done a lot of their own research that don't feel that way and that are, are are thriving in this situation
0: yeah and i think that's the problem is these are all the unseen death tolls you know this and you know obviously there's uh i hear a lot of reports of domestic abuse you know whether it's parents and children whether it's parent on parent or you know spouse and spouse but um, then you have, you know, the the people that I view through through my eyes here that I knew were finally in the gym, finally getting control of their food. They were kind of that that middle group that was kind of teetering on on the motivational seesaw, um, and the wind's completely out of the sails now, and they're back at home, back not moving, back eating poor food. So that's gonna have, you know, a an impact. Then you have the, the chest pains and the cancer patients that I hear didn't go to the ER because they were too scared that, you know, now it's too late for them. So I think if we tally up all those, that's really going to offset, you know, some of the, the fear mongering of, of the virus on its own.
1: That, that's right. I, I had a, a patient, a, a patient of mine, a close one, and I take care of their, uh, their, their, their son and daughter too. And the mother, this is three months ago the mother died of an asthma attack. She has asthma. Um, Her daughter uh, came over her house and saw that she was struggling, called the ambulance. They came and they gave her a breathing treatment, but they suggested she come to the hospital. But she was so afraid of COVID-19, even though she didn't have it, um, she didn't want to go to the hospital. So she got another attack later that night in the middle of the night and, and died. So this is... This is a, again the, the, the negative impact here. People afraid to go to their healthcare providers for normal type uh, problems that they would normally see something for that's festering at home. And th- this is the unseen death toll that no one reports on because I can tell you that it dwarfs what's going on with COVID-19, but, but nobody, but that doesn't really serve the, the narrative. So it's not really reported on. And that's a shame. So people really need to do their own investigation and use some critical thinking here. Uh, but what you said about the physical fitness is is true. You close all the gyms. You know, it's almost like you want people not to be healthy and get sick because we're, we're, the gyms and the nutrition and the, the the trainers. This was all getting our population healthier, and it's it's all gone the opposite direction, unfortunately.
0: Yeah. Well, you mentioned the uh, the immunity protocol. So are you able to tell us kind of some of the things that are on that list?
1: That absolutely. Um, one of the things that I personally take uh, every day – well, I'll tell you. I'll just say this is what I personally take every day. And this was pre-COVID. This has nothing to do with COVID. But after – if I tell people to take more and different things if they actually have an infection. But nanosilver, specifically nanosilver, silver 10 parts per million, because that's the one that's been researched – It's a home run for keeping people. It works. I mean, again, it gets a little controversial. People say certain things aren't proven. There's there's research out there that supports it in terms of its ability to uh, help people be more uh, less susceptible to viral illnesses and bacterial illnesses. Curad Band-Aids, I believe, started putting silver on their Band-Aids for children years ago because they know that it works. Um, uh, I also take High doses of vitamin D3. I mean, the, the, the real key for vitamin D3 helping people are the big doses. As you get up to higher and higher doses, and what I normally take is 15,000 units Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So I get the little 5,000 units, small, and it's cheap, very inexpensive, and take about 45,000 units per week, sometimes more. You know, it just depends on the situation. And it affects, um, I think somewhere around, 80 to 100 different genes. I mean, when you get to the higher doses, it has all kinds of effects uh, that are that are positive, including uh, really helping the immune system. I take CBD, obviously, every day. CBD has multiple effects, which you could do a whole show on, but um, it supports the immune system in, in many ways and does all kinds of other benefits, depending on what specifically type of CBD formula you're taking. I think that um, zinc, uh, zinc with the copper uh, is, is uh, important. And I think that a 15, I believe it's a 15 to 1 ratio, zinc to copper. If you take just a bunch of zinc, it's possible you could end up having a copper issue because they both uh, compete, you know, they're similarly charged. So zinc, copper. Um, I get into other stuff uh, if people feel like iodine and things like that. Now, people are feeling sick or if they're more susceptible they're sick, you know, they have, they're in poor health, and I'll talk to them about taking beta-glucans and all kinds of things, above and beyond, but but what I just told you is what I pretty much, I take a bunch of other things too, but, uh, I mean, ashwagandha I think is a home run for stress, I think that's, if anybody has, has just a baseline stress and taking an ashwagandha, and again, you have to make sure you're taking the right doses, and that's one of the things I emphasize is that when you look at the, the, the one of the biggest problems with the supplement in industry, in general, is that you'll get these, these the marketing combination capsules that it's gotten, and, and you look at the list and it's got 20 different things. And it's got vitamin D and C and A, and you're like, oh, this is great in one capsule. And here's the problem. That's not going to do much, just like multivitamins don't do much because the individual components are good and maybe have science behind them, but it's the milligram, it's the amount. Like, for example, curcumin or turmeric, which is great for um, anti-inflammatory, it's not going to do anything at the dose that most of these capsules come in, because if you're not at five, 600,000 milligrams, um, it doesn't really do much. It's just too low of a dose. So you get these combinations. Well, it has turmeric in it, and it's got this, it's got that. And then you look at the label, it's got, you know, 50 milligrams. It doesn't do anything. It's like spitting in the ocean. So, so I, I really think it's not just important what supplements you take for your immune system or any health reason, you have to understand how much you're supposed to be taking. And, and that's hard to do, because how would the lay population even know this? Certainly, most physicians have no idea about the supplement uh, supplements and nutrition and things of that nature. But those are some of the things, and like I said, what I send to people is a whole thing, a list and a regimen, how to take it. I even provide links that I get, no, and if this is a not a money thing, some of the links that I provide, Uh, specifically for Nanosilver, it's just a company I think that does a great job. So, um, when I send it to them in PDF form, they can't click it. But if it's an email, they can actually click the links and it takes them right to uh, where they can get it. Some of it you can get on Amazon or iHerb.com. Like I said, I don't do affiliate links, so I don't have any money that comes to me if they click through. I'm just trying to get people the right information. Um, the cbd obviously is 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 the opposite they get cbd from my cbd company that's the, that uh, there is benefit there for the company but all the other stuff i just give people the information and then and then i tell people that probably the most single most above and beyond everything i've just said i believe wholeheartedly that the single most important thing a person can do for themselves mentally and physically is meditation on a daily basis even if it's for a very short period of time, 10 or 15 minutes, um, a little bit longer is better, but because nothing quieting your mind and stilling your mind and and letting that energy flow through you is, is, is beyond anything in terms of good for you from a physical and emotional mental standpoint. And so those are the things that I tell my patients and I tell people that I care about and I care about everybody. So that's why I'm saying it here on the air.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, as you know, I've taken Red Pill for a couple of years now. I think our first uh, conversation was episode 97 for everyone, by the way, listening. So that was uh, well over two years ago. But yeah, I mean, your Gold Daily, I swear by, and for all the first responders, I'd love to dig into it again. But, you know, it's zero THC, so it's safe for any workplace drug tests as well. Um, and then Thorne. I don't know if you ever use Thorne in, in the medical setting, but they're a great a good, uh, yeah, yeah, great company for, for actually getting what you're supposed to be getting in a in a supplement i just had a guest on excuse me who is from a company called amp human that does vitamin d transdermally it's a cream Mm. so absorbs that way so it bypasses the whole gi tract and um you know i've just started using that myself but again that's another way of of getting those higher doses without you know having to take it orally
1: that uh, yeah uh, well it's it's funny you mentioned thorn because the when people have been under chronic stress a lot of times their adrenals are shot and and the the formulation I like for adrenal support or just plain adrenal gland, taking the gland itself as the thorn product. So it's funny, funny you say that, but that's another supplement that people that have just been through the ringer with all the stress is, is I, I put them on an adrenal gland or adrenal support to help, help boost that up.
0: Beautiful. That's why there's this cross pollination with all these great companies. Well, staying with the CBD then. So it's such a, still such a new, kind of discovery i know that the cannabinoids were really kind of found in the in the 90s so i know we talked about it on episode 97 but i'd love to kind of revisit it but with any other information so if you could educate us again on on what the cannabinoid system is in the body and then let's go into all the amazing things that i've seen personally cbd does as far as holistic healing and prevention
1: well two years is is, there's a lot that's happened a lot but but in all good. But, but uh, in terms of, of CBD, the first thing I want everybody to understand is that when you see CBD, it's it's usually more than that, unless you're using a product that's just isolated. So CBD stands for cannabidiol. It comes from cannabis, just like marijuana. So cannabis is hemp and marijuana. So if you then go down the hemp pathway, that's where you get CBD, you go down the marijuana pathway, you also get CBD but the plants produce a high THC, low CBD versus hemp is producing high CBD, low THC. So that's sort of the pathway they go. So when people talk about cannabis, it's all cannabis, but you make the distinction of of hemp derived CBD versus marijuana CBD because that's where the legality comes in. So the government says that CBD, that comes from a marijuana plant the same exact cbd that comes from the hemp plant is federally illegal still schedule one still uh, saying that that methamphetamine and and uh uh and, and cocaine is safer on the schedule believe it or not is there a schedule two um that's that cbd coming from marijuana you can't use it because it's fairly illegal if it comes from the hemp plant and if the concentration is less than 0.3% in your formula um, or dry weight of, 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 the, of the raw, then, then that is federally legal. Now, there's still about three states, um, I think it's South Dakota and Idaho, uh, the, uh, the, another one that, that still have some fuzzy CBD laws, but in the other 47 states, um, it's also no issue. Um, but federally, there's no issue transporting it. And that's the big change from just a few years ago is that before that 2018 farm bill was signed, it was still somewhat uh, problematic putting that uh, stuff in the mail. You had to use uh, private carriers like UPS or FedEx. Now you can mail it. So that is that is what CBD is. So they come from the, 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 even the plants look different. You know, industrial hemp is very tall, 8, 10, 12, you know, feet big rockets up in the air. Marijuana plants tend to be more shrubbery looking, so smaller, although you can make them grow bigger. I'm just giving you a generalization. So very different. Now, when you get formulas and, and something that says it's broad spectrum or isolate or full spectrum. So isolate means that it's just that isolated compound salt. So when you get that capsule or cream, it is just pure CBD or 99.9% CBD and nothing else and you can get other isolates by the way you can get cbc now or even cbn but cbd Is the most common as an isolate that that people see broad spectrum, which is um, Which is what what's I I prefer? uh, For most people is where you have cbd is the dominant cannabinoid But you have a spectrum and here's where the magic starts to take place the spectrum meaning other cannabinoids maybe there's some cbg or cbc or one of other cannabinoids in there. And those all have their own little uh, effects on the body. And so you can start to tweak that spectrum to get a CBD to a product to help you sleep versus for pain versus for anxiety. And, and this is what, you know, what, what why I started Red Pill in 2016, because we really wanted to make symptom-specific formulas as opposed to take our CBD, it works for everything, which is, you know, what pretty much everyone else does like just take CBD. Well, it's it's more than that. And then you have the terpenes and terpenes uh, people, if you've ever had essential oils or colognes, whatever, some of the smells, there's terpenes in that. So terpenes are responsible for the smell uh, and look uh, and color and all that of cannabis, the distinct uh, smells. But what's been discovered in recent years is that the terpenes themselves have tremendous medicinal properties. In fact, There's ongoing studies for some of the terpenes for depression, which have been an absolute home run preliminary results in terms of its treatment of depression without all the horrific side effects that we see from the uh, SSRIs and other uh, prescription antidepressants that reap havoc in people. These things do it naturally um, at a very, very high level. So... um, one of one of the things that, uh, um, that that I think is very very interesting is that if you really want to make a formula that helps people sleep, you can focus on uh, on that spectrum and hype up certain things to get them to sleep better without a hangover effect. It gets really scientific, and so th- this is when you start to educate yourself more about CBD. You can make better choices in terms of what to get, what what to, to what to use, and how much to use, and all that. The, the next thing is uh, the absorption and the route of delivery. So, when it first became more and more popular, uh, uh, taking the little droppers, the little tinctures, was really the most common. That's starting to fall more and more out of favor. I've never been a big fan of tinctures, and, and again, I'm talking about for the medical part. If a person's taking it just to be taking it or recreationally or whatever, that's a different thing. But I've always liked uh, capsules or pills, creams, those type of things where you could really have a better measured delivery in terms of what you're giving a person so you, you can get consistency of what you're taking. And then also tinctures by definition have alcohol in them. And so you have a lot of people that they're in the addiction community don't want to use those because of alcohol. And at that point, you'd have to go to an emulsion which looks like a tincture, it's just usually a lot more expensive. Um, so you can take it by different routes. You can smoke it, which gives it to you really fast. But again, there's problems with red eyes. And you want to smell like that because you can smoke hemp. Smokable hemp has become much bigger in the past few years. Uh, but, but by and large, most people prefer, because of convenience, to use uh, capsules and creams. And I think that's the way that that. Uh, and I think that's the trend that's going to continue. Um, now, to go back to the science a little bit, and 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 please, James, feel free to butt in if you want me to go a different way. But I just want to uh, talk about the endocannabinoid system, and as I think that's very important for people to have that 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 knowledge about that. So the endocannabinoid system, which uh, really has to be given a lot of credit to Dr. Rousseau, who's done so much uh, research and discovery on this and actually came up with the term of endocannabinoid deficiency syndrome. So what that is, is in our bodies, we all have receptor systems. You have the neurologic system, the cardiovascular immune system. They all have uh, receptors in those systems that communicate information. And if you add all those receptors up, they still, the endocannabinoid system still has more receptors than all the body's receptors, the systems receptors combined. And this is because it it acts like a regulator of the receptors. So it keeps the body in balance. I'm simplifying a little bit here, but let's let's say that if a person was making too much of a hormone, the endocrine system would say, okay, you need to make less hormone or you need to make more hormone. Um, Again, assuming that the person was able to make hormone. If a woman had had, had ovaries removed or something like that, but if you have the, if your body is intact, the endocannabinoid system can help keep everything in balance. This is why what we saw early back in 2015, before I incorporated it, and we were still doing research, and all through 2016, actually into 2017, I was amazed at, because I, my specialty is pain and addiction, so I was really focused on, on those two areas. But when I was giving um, some of our preliminary stuff for for chronic pain, all of a sudden we see their blood pressure or their diabetes normalize, and and nothing else had changed. And we're like, why is this happening? And this is because that CBD is going in and it's fixing other, or I shouldn't say fixing, but balancing other systems that are out of balance. Because most people that are sick are sick because something is wrong. But our conventional medical system, what does it do? It gives you a pill or a Band-Aid. Your blood pressure's high? Okay, let's give you a pill. Well, it's normal now. Great, keep taking the pill. Well, no, that's not great because why are you hypertensive, hypertensive in the first place? Fix the root cause is the bottom line here. So, so, when people come and they're on all these medications for cholesterol and blood pressure and can't breathe well and their heart's bad, all these different things, right, and they start taking CBD and they start feeling better, they're able to sometimes again should be done with someone that knows what they're doing you're able to walk them down or sometimes even off a lot of these other medications they're actually having all kinds of other negative side effects so this is the endocannabinoid system and the magic of it because it what when we take cbd and other cannabis cannabis products it has effect on that system now notice i said endo which means in we make our own cannabinoids. We, we make, uh, cannabinoids called anandamide and 2AG. There's a few others that are somewhat controversial if they're truly endocannabinoids or not, but those are the two that everyone recognized. So those, we actually make those in our body. So we, we are already had a cannabinoid system. It just wasn't discovered until the 90s. Now, I think, think about this for a minute. Most people can relate to, to pain. Like if you've ever gotten in an accident in skiing and you twist your ankle or break a leg or in a car accident and you have tremendous pain and people want medication for that, I would. If I was in a car accident and my leg was snapped in two, you know, I'd want the morphine because you're in pain. Now, contrast that with you're in the kitchen, slicing up a tomato and making food because you've been locked in your home for the last year so you got nothing better to do but to bake some food. So, and you slice your finger and it hurts. Um, you don't go take morphine for that. You, you, maybe you, you put some pressure, you put a band aid on it, some alcohol, whatever. You, because you know mentally that your body is going to fix that. And what happens is your body re- releases chemicals called encephalins and endorphins that, that are sort of natural, natural uh, painkillers. And it goes and soothes that area and flames and starts to fix it, and the pain goes away. But when your system is overwhelmed, if I came in that same kitchen, took a hatchet, and whacked off your hand, your natural your natural pain chemicals is not enough to take care of that pain. You need intervention. So this is the way I look at the endocannabinoid system and supporting it with things like CBD. Is that stress and anxiety and all the things that's going on in life right now more than more than ever? I mean, whatever I've said in the past is is amplified beyond right now because of our current situation, your endocannabinoid system needs help and support, just like your body would need help and support with pain management if someone cut your hand off versus a slice of the finger, which would be maybe in times that things were going really well in your life. So that's sort of an overview of it. And James, I'm gonna stop so you can ask me something more specific if, if there's more that I need to talk about on that.
0: No, I think it was great, but I want to add my own perspective to kind of, you know, piggyback onto what you said for my own personal, you know, anecdotes from my family. So I started taking it um a couple years ago. I take it every day. I had it just before we we sat down actually. Um but to give you some some kind of success stories purely like I have witnessed it myself. My son struggled with wheezing. He wasn't actually asthmatic. It was more of a kind of upper airway inspiratory wheeze, but it but it was very much like asthma. Whereas it would kind of be allergy related if, uh, you know, if there were um, pollen in the air, that kind of thing. And I started him on CBD a couple of years ago, and it literally went away. The only time he ever even gets slightly wheezy is, um, you know, if he has some sort of you know chest cold or something that that exasperates it. My wife suffered from. Very, very, um, I mean, severe is the wrong word, but definitely significant highs and lows as far as, you know, anxiety and depression. And it absolutely, you know, turned the volume down to two on those. Um, And then a friend of mine I used to work with, he contacted me and said, Hey, can you tell me about CBD? My mother is having horrendous um, hip pain and she's gone from being ambulatory to being bedridden. So I sent her to you guys and he messaged me about a month later and said, Hey, just want to let you know she's not only out of bed, but she's now able to go to physical therapy. And I think that underlines to me what CBD does. In the fire service, if you crash your car, as you said, and your leg's hanging off, well, what I've got to do is stabilize your car before I cut you out. So we use what's called cribbing. We take pieces of wood and we fill all the voids so the car can't shift. And that's what I see CBD doing to the human body. It doesn't mean that it's going to fix the car, but it gives you the tools to then have the energy and the resources to address those underlying issues. So it wasn't CBD lying in bed that fixed his mother. It was the fact that she was able now to go to PT, address the underlying muscle imbalances and spinal issues that she was having that then, you know, truly started fixing fixing the issues. So that's why I shout from the rooftops about CBD is it's not a magic pill. But for example with us, if you take a firefighter that can't sleep and now they're able to sleep, well that's gonna start fixing everything that they were suffering from before.
1: I couldn't I, I, I couldn't agree more. This is it's great what you said and, and and you're right. It's all about the body. And again, people need to understand how powerful they are as beings, as people, you know, both physically, emotionally and spiritually. We're very powerful and if you give the body what it needs, it will fix it. So I think that this is why I've been so hard on pharmaceuticals for the last decade and the films and all that, because I've seen firsthand the harms. And You're talking to a person that was, you know, at, was at high level institutions. I mean, I graduated from a top five medical school, went to UCLA after that. It was direct, it was a director of pain, uh, Harvard UCLA pain. So I was... Doing all that, published a lot of academic papers back then, but I saw what was what I thought i had become a doctor for. People, you know, is that is, are we actually getting people better, or are we just putting out a bunch of scientific papers and coming up with new medications and things like that? And the more that I saw this, the more I realized I had to unlearn a lot of this stuff because we basically were trying to say, uh, to me, I think conventional medicine is often often trying to say. We know more than the body. We know more than nature. We can do it better. And it's not, it's not true. What we can do better is help the body when it needs our help. Exactly what you just said. And then everything falls into place. When people aren't sleeping at night, everything starts to erode. There's nothing you do. You can do everything better when you sleep better. Everything, whether it's focus, whether it's perform physically, uh, mentally. So, we have a complete epidemic with insomnia in this country, and what do most people get? They get, you know, the Ambiens and Lunesta's the and these these tranquilizing type pills that do not fix the problem, do not restore sleep cycles. Do some people sleep on them? Yes, but do other people sleepwalk and do crazy things? Absolutely. I've had patients that were an Ambien that went and shopped at at a at a at a Walmart at one a.m. and came home and put the groceries on the counter, and the next morning got up and saw that and looked at the receipt and had no idea they even left their house. And they, and they lived alone, and this one lady lived alone, so she, it, it had to be, I had one guy that went to a Seven Eleven, 11 walked in to buy beer and cigarettes at two or three in the morning, he was completely naked, didn't even know it, was asleep on Ambien. So I'm not trying to this <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> but, but this is what you see, and these things are not told to the public. They're just like, oh, Ambien helps you sleep. And there are, there are patients that, that successfully use it, um, and I begrudgingly, I, I have very few people I've written that to, but there's one patient that's taken it for decades and just can't live without it just because his brain is so wired towards it. But, but almost, but 99% of everyone else, I get them off of those kind of things because it's not good for you. So you're, you're right. It helps the body do what it's supposed to do.
0: Well it's interesting you said about Ambien because I had another guest on several times now as well his name's Dr Kirk Parsley and he's uh um was a Navy SEAL went to become a functional medicine doctor went back to the SEAL teams and very long story short realized that a whole bunch of his men their their blood work was in the toilet and he figured out after about a year that they were all on Ambien so uh, consequently realized it was sleep deprivation and and as he says you know Ambien makes you unconscious it doesn't put you into deep restorative sleep um, and so another thing that's really emerged, and, and he kind of turned me on to this initially, but now I'm seeing it in, in not only my community, my professions, but even in civilians, is this new addiction to testosterone, exogenous testosterone. And mm-hmm. again, you know, here we are with men in their 30s who their testosterone is in the toilet. And I know in my professions, and the shift workers, it's absolutely sleep deprivation doing that. So ov- obviously the real answer is to get these men and women more sleep, not to make them addicts of testosterone the rest of their life. But what are you seeing through your lens as far as that?
1: Well, one of the things with testosterone that's interesting, and it's true for women, and maybe even more so, is that low testosterone levels actually uh, amplify and cause uh, chronic pain. So a lot of times, um, and it's, it's been hard to get the insurance companies to understand and see this, but because it's hard sometimes to get hormone panels and all that approved, complete hormone panels, but yeah, that is a huge problem. And I've seen more and more uh, people in their 20s, 30s, uh, ages you would not expect them to have a testosterone levels, have unbelievably low testosterone levels. And, and there's all kinds of reasons for that, but the low levels... And people think of testosterone strictly from a sexual standpoint, but it has other problems when, when it's low like that. The irritability, the pain, if someone has pain, it really exacerbates chronic pain. Sometimes if you normalize those testosterone levels, their their pain gets better. And, and I have supplemented people, but it's been for short periods of time, because what happens when they get on these supplements and chronically is it shuts down the person's ability to make their testosterone. And... Then they become dependent on it because if you stop it then they crash very this is pretty much the cycle you see with most uh drugs um so you have to be really careful when you supplement it but uh, you just don't want to have it be the answer you want to get to the root cause
0: absolutely which again for me if you bring in you know the the red pill and then this navy seal actually has a supplement that again has you know magnesium and vitamin d and some of these things that initiate The uh, sleep cascade, it's amazing, absolutely amazing. So there are some very holistic ways of us getting better sleep, therefore elevating our our steroids, excuse me, our steroids, that's a Freudian slip, our testosterone (laughs) (laughs) Um, naturally (laughs) without having to initially go to exogenous.
1: That's correct. Yeah, I agree.
0: Well, I really want to answer one question before and I want to explore THC for a little bit, but the thing that I see over and over and over again, as you touched on earlier, that terrifies people about CBD is they think it's weed. They think it's marijuana and and they immediately have this knee jerk to, well, I'm going to fail my drug test at work. It's not worth risking my, my job for. So I you know, obviously have taken it. You guys have sent me the third party testing. I even... Deliberately took it right before a drug screening for the volunteer position. I took as a firefighter after I retired and was completely fine So what would you say to the audience to to kind of educate them not persuade them educate them on? Why the the zero THC um, red pill is completely safe for anyone who gets drug screened at work?
1: well, I, I there there are there are situations where zero THC um, products work best sometimes micro THC and then sometimes larger amounts of THC depending on the situation. But again, if someone is working at a job, a first responder, a police officer, a firefighter, these type where you just have no, you cannot have any chance of testing positive. You do want to have a zero THC product, um, and and so if there's not any in there, it's 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 not going to come out on your test and as far as cbd being dangerous even the world health organization and every two years they do this 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 worldwide search of literature and they've even concluded because depending on who you listen to you'll still see people getting on national television and saying that it's addictive which is it's which is ridiculous so so the the truth of the matter is there is zero addictive potential for cbd in fact i actually use it to help people with addiction problems zero risk for THC, there is some tiny controversy. By and large, in my opinion, 100%, it is not addictive. However, there's a psychological component when you have people that are super heavy weed smokers that can start to change the dynamic of the brain. So there is some issue there, but this is not really the issue for people that are taking this for medicinal reasons anyway. So very, very safe. World Health Organization has also concluded. Which everyone else concluded years before this that it is a legitimate pain reliever and an anti-inflammatory. That's as far as they've gone so far. Now it has worked in all kinds of all kinds of situations. I mean, there's there's case reports and studies, and in my own my own patient population, that working in diabetes and and Parkinson's and dementia, and all all kinds of fibromyalgia. I mean, the list goes on and, on and on. And it was originally studied heavily studied for uh, irritable bowel syndrome uh, and other GI disorders, so home runs for those type of things for irritable bowel and things like that. But, uh, but, but as far as the testing positive, super safe. Um, you won't test positive if you're on a zero, a true zero THC product. And, and James just mentioned the third party testing or the it's called a COA or certificate analysis. That's very important because if you buy it from whoever, you want proof that it does that what's in the bottle is there is a certificate, because if you have a problem when you're in, you need something to back up to know that you're taking what they're saying is in that bottle, because there are people that have produced fake COAs. It, it's it's hap- We've been sent fake COAs when we're working with, with farms and things, so 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 you have to be very, very careful with, with who you're buying from. That's why, again, we wanted to do this on a medical side. We've been on the medical side of it the whole time, and that's the reason why, because this is important for people that are working in those type of jobs.
0: Yeah, just to add to that too. Correct me if I'm wrong. Your your hemp is organic as well, so that spectroscopy is not only verifying the quality and the 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 um, uh, yeah the purity of your product, but also there's no pesticides or anything in there too.
1: That, that's correct. And the term you have to use is organically grown. I guess the 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 government still doesn't allow you to say it's organic hemp, but it's organically grown. And and so. One of the things I did in 2019 is I wanted to drill down even more in terms of our sourcing um, and and get direct and cut out the middleman, direct relations with the farmers. And and so there's uh, farms that I've gone to that we work with where I I physically out there in the fields and it's hard work. These guys are out there picking weeds because they don't use pesticides on acres and they just look for you know you can look as far as I can see and all these people out there. And I remember I asked the, the main guy, I said, what are they do? They're picking weeds. It's organic. And I'm like, oh, that's right. I mean, I just, you know, when I think of picking weeds, I think about my gar- a garden, right? I don't think about picking weeds by hand, you know, on acres and acres. But yes, absolutely organically grown and non-GMO, all those, all those things for sure.
0: Beautiful. All right. Which is why for everyone listening, you know, you don't, you don't pay me anything. You know, I just, this is the product because I knew who you were and this is your company and just, you know, the way you've described how it's safe for us job wise, how it's clean as far as the, you know, the pesticides. I mean, there's, there's so many CBDs. You can go to every, you know, gas station and head shop now and have shelves and shelves. So people need to know which one to trust. So this is why, you know, I talk about red pill. It's purely because I trust it myself and my family
1: very nice. I mean, you know, I, I can tell you that, that, uh, and I know it sounds corny, but it is, it is the obvious, it's the God's truth that, that hearing people successfully getting treatment with this stuff and helping them is, is, is the best thing. It makes my day every time I hear it. And especially when I've dealt with some people with some really severe problems that like there's some children with cancer and other things. And, um, when it's helped in that regard, and again, I'm not going to, I'm saying, I'm not telling people it's a, a cure for cancer, but it certainly is something that should be utilized. Um, and that's a different subject. But when I see those things happen, um, a particular general, gentleman uh, in New York City uh, a few years ago, a year ago, that had really end uh, stage Parkinson's that was really helped from some high doses of a formula, these things really make me feel good. So I'm, I'm glad to hear that about your family. That's, that's very, very important to me.
0: Yeah, well, and then it's it's an important conversation to have. And like you said, it's almost like heresy to talk about nutrition or, you know, CBD when it comes to cancer. I mean, there's such a, a vice grip, I think, on that where, oh, it's chemo or radiotherapy. Those are your two options. So I had uh, Dr. Bonnie Goldstein on the show um, probably about six months or so ago and she's successfully treated a lot of people especially pediatric patients with not just cbd but but thc a lot of thc so you know i'd love to just open pandora's box for a moment what are some of the things that that community as a whole you're not saying it's a cure for cancer but you know there's there's many layers to that what are some of the successes that you're seeing in some of these different cancers or you know epilepsy or some of those diseases that are afflicting many people out there that maybe pharmaceuticals alone aren't being very successful in
1: well when when you look at cancer it's it, it's it's difficult because everybody it's it's a very uh, um the money in the industry is large and people don't like for you to tell the truth about it but when we look at the success rate of traditional treatment of cancer overall you know you go back to the 70s the the the, the rates the cure rates have, have not have gone nowhere. They're they're no better. With all that money given to all these different institutions to research, now I know people will get, you know, especially oncologists may get upset about that, but if you review the data in its entirety, that's what it says. Now, are there certain types of cancer that have improved with traditional treatment? Absolutely. But here's the bottom line in my opinion. I recently, uh, and this will illustrate it with a recent person, uh, there was a person recently that was brought to me because uh, I work a lot with cancer patients along with uh, a place called Center for New Medicine, help out with there, because so, I'm not an oncologist, but I do have a good knowledge of, 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 of uh, the treatments. They, um, they had been told by their conventional doctor there was nothing else that could be done for them, and um, they were going to die. It was a, a, a woman that was in her uh, early 40s, had three, I believe, three children, all under the age of 10 or 11. And when presented with all the alternative things, they just still decided it was too wacky for them. So she continued with the traditional treatment and died a few weeks ago. And it it just, I I just don't understand the disconnect. Again, it's the fear, just like we talked about earlier with COVID, that keeps people from thinking irrationally that, oh, there's something about this. I even said, a lot of people don't know this, if you need to take higher doses of, of THC, if, if for cancer or anything, and you're, and you're worried about psychoactivity and being stoned, all that, if you take it in the raw, it, THC-A, the acidic form, does not make you high. You can take, you can get a bag of weed and blender it up with other stuff and make a drink out of it and take high doses of THC. It will not make you high. It, you, you get high when it's decarboxylated, meaning when it's heated. So if you take TC and it, but it has THCA rather. It has the same uh, medicinal benefits. So that's one thing when people need to take higher THC levels, they can just simply take it in its raw form. It doesn't taste great, but, you know, if you're trying to help yourself with, with cancer or something, it, it, it matters. And there's all kinds of other treatments, you know, that I'm sure the other doctor talked about that, uh, that are done in other countries that, that, that can help uh, in addition to, to cannabis for, for cancer. Um, so it it uh I, I, I it's one of those topics that that you have to be careful about even what you say because people will 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 attack you but but suffice it suffice to say that anyone that i care about or if it was myself i i would not go down that route in terms of traditional treatment
0: yeah well that's something that i've i've said as well i have had um uh jason vale who is uh, a guy that does a lot of juice um, retreats and he himself reversed a lot of his autoimmune disease and issues his weight gain all these things that he had um and again i'm not saying you should live on juice but you know when it comes to that we look at the china study when you look at plant-based diets i think there's so much power in clean nutrition for disease reversal and healing and so when we're talking about COVID again you want the most resilient human body and so i think that a lot of the cancers are caused by environmental factors whether it's something you're breathing something that you're you're consuming whether it's drinks and foods and then you know so because of that i think you can reverse it but the for me personally and this is just my opinion the idea that you take an already fragile human being and your treatment is to destroy their immune system through chemicals or radiation that doesn't really make any sense to me the way you, that you would do it either side by side with that treatment or maybe even solely if people had the have the courage to do it is that you use you know as you said mindful practice and nutrition and hydration and sleep to bolster that that body and get back to that homeostasis where where the cancer's reversed is that a magic pill no but to me that makes a lot more sense than bombarding the human body and destroying their immune system
1: that that that's exactly right. I mean, that's then that's what the traditional treatment to do. They it's basically a race between we're going to kill all your cells and hopefully the you have enough of your good cells to last. And then people that survive all that go into remission. And then what you see a few years later, it comes back. You want to get rid of it. I mean, if if I'm if I you know, if you go to some doctor that's that's going to re- remove some kind of a a, a bad we'll go to a dentist, and they're going to remove a, a cavity you don't want the cavity to come back if it removes it. You're thinking that he, you know, he or she removed the cavity. But with, with cancer, there's always this hedging that, well, you know, it, it could come back or whatever. But if you, again, with the juicing or the clean diets, all these things are giving the body what it needs to, to uh, you know, to, to help kill the cancer. Beta-glucans, which I mentioned earlier about COVID, is a is thing that, that people are, are treat are taking in big doses for cancer. It's another another treatment. Um, exosomes, uh, there, there's, it, the list, the list goes on and on and on that people haven't, a uh, lot, most people haven't heard of that can really help with this. And, and, and the bottom line is that the people that really fail some of the alternative therapies are people that have had their immune system so destroyed by the conventional treatment that there's really not a whole lot left to work with at that point. And so that's another thing to keep in mind. Some places like Center for New Medicine in, in Irvine, um, which they're the best. In my opinion, Dr. Keneally over there, um, they they sometimes use chemotherapy, but it's usually when they use it, it's very low dose. People aren't losing their hair and throwing up and all that. They use it in tiny amounts, sometimes just preliminary to get something aggressive under control. But they they put people on vegan diets and and all kinds of things almost you know from day one because you wanna wanna put all the resources the body has into battling and getting rid of the cancer. Well, one thing to think about is a couple statements that are going to shock people. Um, uh, uh, CBD and THC have both been shown to kill cancer cells. Not just some, but, but all cancer cells have been exposed to. You can even uh, go on YouTube and see time uh, time-lapse um, uh, videos of cancer cells, human cancer cells uh, with uh, exposed to THC or CBD die, um, and then the normal cells don't die. So if you think about cancer from that way, if you, if there's mechanisms that can kill the cancer cell only, but not your good cells, it's just like an infection. I know that it's being simplistic, and there's been all kinds of treatments in past years. When you think about, you know, um, uh, apricot seeds and amygdala and all the stuff that were outlawed, and this is this is uh, junk science and everything else. But when you really read what was going on with that stuff, and there's people that still do that. I mean, I, I, I chew them myself, apricot seeds. Again, I'm trying to be preemptive. When you look at the mechanisms of how these things work, specifically on cancer cells, then you could see that there is science to that. And 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 then all the, the millions of people that, that have their own story. But, but here's the thing that is the probably the most haunting thing that was for me, and this occurred probably almost nine, ten years ago when we were finishing American Addict, the very first film. And I remember I woke up and I thought to myself, almost everything I've been told is a lie. And I also came to the realization that when I say people, I really mean the big business, the big corporations, because the the individuals that work at, at Pharmaceutical companies and the FDA and all these—they're good people. They're trying to do the right thing, but they're working in a vacuum. They don't often know the ultimate agenda at the top. And and so what I've seen is that people be, be will be allowed to suffer and die, for the sake of profit. And so not letting people in on some of these other techniques that could be used in instead of or even in conjunction in conjunction with them. Sorry with conventional uh, cancer treatments is criminal because it, it, sometimes you need surgery for cancer. If there's an isolated tumor, maybe, yeah, cut that thing out and do this and that, or maybe low-dose chemo, but, but it's like us versus them, right? It's like, oh, everything you're being told is ridiculous. You need to get this chemo regimen and radiation and all this stuff, even though our numbers and our success rate is in the toilet. It needs to come together. It needs to be integrated, that's the key.
0: Absolutely. Well, I wrote about the observation in in the book I wrote last year and, um you know, just through a medic's eyes is, you know, I ask everyone now listening if they're a medical profession, think about all the codes that you lose. They all have a sack full of medication, you know, statins and, you know, blood pressure, other blood pressure medications and water pills and all these things. Tens of thousands of dollars worth of, of meds are taking, you know, every single day and they didn't work. The person was 45, 50, 55. And they still died. So, like you said, it's not that these people wake up every day plotting to take American lives, but this system has devolved to the point where we have disease management that doesn't improve lives. There isn't, you know, hey, I'm going to give you this blood pressure medication and in, you know, two months' time, we're going to do this diet plan and we're going to get you off these meds. It's not. You're, you're a lifetime addict. And I think that's the, the same lens of a lot of these diseases if we're just relying on drugs and there's no there's no improvement of overall resilience and overall health then you have to question yourself is that you know ultimately what doctors and nurses and medics are supposed to be doing and you know i have some great medicines in you know um drugs in my drug box that are phenomenal you know i've seen people you know um defibrillated and, and you know arrhythmias changed and you know narcan taking someone out of an opioid overdose so there are some amazing drugs out there but the chronic disease management drugs i think are the areas that we have allowed people to think that it's a it's a pharmaceutical answer when that's it's not it's a holistic health answer that we need to be looking
1: at that's right the the best the best way to 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 get people better is to stop them from getting sick in the first place and And in this country, we are fantastic at emergency medicine, at surgeries, at high-tech things, acute problems, no problem. If if you have a a heart attack and you need emergency surgery, no place you'd rather be in the world than here. If you you need to call um, the EMT, I mean, best place ever, they're here like that, they help people. It's the chronic illnesses that we are an abject failure. We, we consistently rank last or near last in every health indicator of all the industrialized countries and this has been going on for the last 10, 15 years, consistently every year that cold training study comes out, we're last or, 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 or next to last in every category because it's all chronic things and it's a very unbelievable profit center to treat people this way where they, did, they get sick, they stay sick, but they don't die. They linger for years, refilling those medications. One of the first things I ask people when I have someone that comes to me for the first time, and I'll look at all these medications and I'll, I'll, I'll ask them a couple questions. I says, "Are these are they helping you?" And well, I need my I need my my gabapentin and I need my oxycodone. And I need. That. I'm like, "Well, why do you need it?" Well, because if I don't take it, and they describe withdrawal effects. And I said, "Well." how bad is your pain right now? And they're, oh, it's horrific. I can't do this. I can't walk more than five minutes. I can't drive a car. And I said, so what you're telling me is that your condition is severe, despite the fact that you're taking all these medications. So I try and get them to see early on that would they rather, for me personally, if my pain is a seven or eight out of 10 all the time, and I can't sit more than five minutes, or I can't Walk upstairs. And if I've got all these problems, I'd rather be off the medicines, feeling that way than on them. Because you, because if you if you have all these problems and you're on the medication, you're dealing with your problems and the side effects of the medications. Is sitting there taking pills all the time. So the emphasis on preventative care uh, is real preventative care, not not some of the stuff that's been put in. There, but the real prevention in terms of good nutrition and all that and exercise is de-emphasized, and chronic uh, disease is treated with with pharmacy. We live in a society where we have people around a bad environment. They eat eat horrific food. I think food is worse than the medicine. They get sick, they go to the doctors, and they get medicine, and it's a revolving door. It's a circle, and they just get sicker and sicker and sicker, and that's what we see uh, unfold every day in front of our eyes.
0: Yeah, and just to be fair, sometimes I feel like I'm – bashing doctors and I'm not at all. And obviously you're a doctor, but I think, you know, we've created an environment as well where we get patients walking in that demand that pill they saw on TV. You know, they told me on the TV, ask, ask my doctor for, you know, I can't get an erection. Oh, I think it's the fact that you're, you know, you're obese. No, 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 no. I just need this pill, you know, rather than actually being told, you know what, this, this, you know, lack of erection is a terrifying precursor to heart disease. So you don't need a pill. You need, you know, a salad and a run is <laughs> what you need. Ask your wife.
1: <laughs> That's right. So no, you're, you can you can bash the I bash doctors all the time because sometimes they need to be bashed. But one thing uh, I think is very important for people to understand is that the the way that physicians are trained and continually trained they, they become tools of the system more than thinking, you know, it's not like 56 years ago where the doctors really could use their own personal judgment. And I'm talking about doctors that are hospital-based and in large medical organizations where you don't have, you know, there's like, this is the way we do it type of mentality as opposed to, you know, private practitioners that they're probably in private practice because they, they want to be able to do things differently the way they feel he or she feels they should be done. But but you're, you're sort of, uh, trained to do things in a certain way. And so what happens when people go to these doctors, even though some of the doctors are completely have all their heart into it and their best wishes, but if your information and what you're taught is not the best system and best information, you're going to just give that bad information with even more heart and more passion, but still the same poor outcomes. So people, the, the physicians need to be re-educated. You know, on our bottles it says, you know, always consult your physician before whatever. And that, that's, that's the hardest statement for me to ever have put on a bottle. Because I know, just I know for a fact that the majority of physicians in this country don't know anything about CBD. Nothing. Um, and, and so a lot of times when people don't know anything, they'll just say, don't take it, it's bad. Uh, or you shouldn't take it with your medication. It could be and so th- they'll tell them things because they don't even know so just tell them that because instead of just being honest to say I'm not sure and the fact of the matter is CBD is, is safe with with prescription medications I mean I've used it on people who were taking 15 20 medications all at the same time when they first came to me not an issue there's been there's been these these things put on on TV on the uh, national television that there's drug interactions and that it has a, a effect on suppressing enzymes which could give you a drug overdose and on a bench level, it's true that there's some suppression sometimes of P450 enzymes, but you'd have to take megadoses. I've never seen it clinically and that they're also not saying is there's other drugs that do the same thing to P450. And, and then finally, if I ever did encounter, I've given this, I've given CBD to thousands and thousands of people with every disease process you could think of, most of them with multiple problems at the same time, and if I ever saw someone that had an issue with their drug level going up, that's actually good news to me. I would just reduce their drug level. If it's, making, if it's making the drug metabolize slower, then they need actually less pharmaceutical. So it's a non-issue. But this is the kind of half-truths that are told to the public to scare them from taking something that could really help them.
0: Yeah. Well, it's like you're saying as well but, you know, with the, the drug testing and you know, people are like, oh, what if it shows up in, in the test? I'm like, testing for cbd not thc cannabinoids that exist in your body is like testing for red blood cells would you get fired if they found red blood cells in your body you know i mean it's you know we're not talking about a controlled substance we're talking about something that's completely you know allowed and it even has aversion within the human body so but they have they have people so scared so scared it's the devil's lettuce no it's not the devil doesn't eat, even eat lettuce. You know, he eats cheeseburgers. <laughs> <laughs> so, right. But anyway, um, well, you, you mentioned on American Addicts. So your first one was on the opioid crisis. Second one was more towards uh, psych meds. So tell me about American Addict 3 and then also um, American Weed that you're working on.
1: Well, American Weed um, was supposed to come out um, this past year. And we were about 75% done with it in early 2020. And we all know what happened after that. Everything shut down, production shut down. So we just sort of resumed that, uh, in the, in the last few weeks. So we're hoping to see that come out, uh, at the end of the, at the end of this year. And American Act three, we're going to begin. So we, we, we basically have lost a year because what I'm saying would have happened this year. American act three was supposed to start production now and now we're talking about starting american at three production in early uh, 2022 and there is so much to cover it is beyond belief but um we we have some ideas of how to cover it in a different slant I, one of the things i'm i'm emphasizing and 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 before we get too short on time if we are let me know i i like i want to i want to focus more and more on solutions because for years i was so passionate and going on all kinds of programs and you know ringing the bell about all these problems. And then I realized that you know sometimes you give more power to something when you just talk about it all the time, even though you're trying to help people, just mentioning it. you need to give people solutions. So these both these films are going to talk about what a person can do at an individual level for themselves and to start to take maybe some effect uh, from a political standpoint if they so choose to. So that's what's happening with those two films, and and I love it, and I can't wait for those things to be done and come out.
0: Beautiful. So when when are we looking at American Weed being released?
1: Probably end of the year, November, December of this year. Brilliant. Well, if we don't have more lockdowns.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I hope not. I I just saw that the uh, UK Prime Minister was supposed to be doing some talk on pulling those poor people out of uh, their lockdown again, but... Just quickly, as as a side note, it's I hear over and over and over again that um, you know, there's next to no flu cases now. For me, I'm assuming that just means they're not testing for flu anymore. But what it, what is your your stance or your your perspective on this spike that we're seeing again, purely being the entire kind of flu family as with every winter?
1: Yeah, I could go way down the rabbit hole in this, but it's pretty clear that the statistics have been skewed to COVID because all of a sudden no one's getting pneumonia or the flu anymore. It's all COVID. And and it, there's a lot of things behind this. You know, hospitals get money for all kinds of things, but they've gotten big chunks of money for COVID diagnosis and COVID deaths and this. So you you see people getting tested for COVID no matter what they come in the hospital for. Now, if we did, if we did the same thing for influenza A, we would have... Maybe we'd probably have bigger numbers because so many people have already been contracted or been exposed to influenza A that, that we would probably nearly all test positive. But, but no one's testing for that, right? Because it's, it's not in the news. But you could go to the hospital because you, you, you know, you fell off a building or you got in a car accident or you're having problems with your, your blood pressure and they get a COVID test. So if they pass away, if they have a problem, then it's COVID or COVID related, and this is where the numbers are are, are very are very skewed. I mean, right now, as of this morning, you know, the last Johns Hopkins update, five about about five hundred thousand deaths in this country, and again, that's a decimal point, a zero point zero zero one percent of the population. And meanwhile, no one's talking about how many people have died from other respiratory diseases because. Everyone's scared of COVID, so that is a, that is, in my opinion, a scare tactic. What was the other second part of your question? I hung up on that.
0: Um, no, no, I think mean, that was that was it. I mean, I forget where I was even going with it now, but I mean, that's what that's what I've seen. You know, with Oh, we were talking about coming out of lockdown. That's what it was. Um, but yeah, so that's what I, what I've seen as well. Is you know, there's no question. One of my friends, one of my old crew in California, had COVID. It scared the hell out of him. Now he, you know, he had some stuff going on prior as well. Um so it's funny when we we talk about oh this young person was you know this person was this age and they got covid well there's also the chronological versus physiological age you know you can sure. be as we know a 35 year old man who's in terrible you know shape physically or you can be oh, my grandmother's 103 And she's still going strong and they've had COVID um, exposures twice in their nursing home. So, you know, again, just just, you know, some of these numbers and some of these things that are coming out of it, I think they're just very, very, you know, unfair. And it's absolutely a thing. Like I said, I've got friends that, you know, he and another firefighter I work with was intubated. Um so it's a real thing, but again, like you said, it's is it to the magnitude that we have to shut down the entire planet for it? And I, I personally yeah. think no. I think we should have done, you know, an aggressive slowdown at the beginning in the densely populated cities and control borders in, in countries and then that way you can open it up, like Guernsey, like New Zealand, like all these countries that seem to have made strong choices at the beginning and then move forward.
1: Well, like you said, it is a real thing, but but so is pneumonia, and so is diabetes, and so is obesity. These are these things are are epidemics It's killing masses of people every year, and no one's shut down or done anything for them. And so this it's again it's been politicized to the maximum. Is if if I could, I really wanna I want to make sure I I, I want to give some people some things they can personally do. To help themselves because this is a difficult time. I think it's very important, um, and I, I just have a, a, a short list. If you if you let me, we got plenty uh,
0: plenty of time. Please okay. don't don't make okay. it short.
1: Okay. Well, um, I I said a few of these things earlier, but um, as I said, I think that the, there's about nine or ten things here, and and the first thing uh, is to c- take control of your emotional and physical health is to, to still your mind every day. This is meditation, deep breathing, yoga, you know, and, and, I'm t- and I'm talking about the not the super physical yoga, but even the yoga in a chair. These are all ways to still your mind, deep breathing. It's great for your emotion. The, the next thing is to stop watching network television, especially the news, even the even the sitcoms and the shows are full of, of little subliminal messages and propaganda sort of to, to, to people get normalized to wearing a mask all the time. The commercials are doing the same thing. So watch comedies, you know, watch movies in a situation where there's no commercials and try and watch things that uplift your mood instead of being, uh, being negative. You know, all the, all the things that we see on, on network TV and, and coming out of Hollywood, if you notice how many films, everything—it's just always violence and murder and kidnappings and it's—it's it's just amazing that that if you go on Netflix or Hulu or whatever and just look at the the movies, they're almost they're so skewed towards that. And why? Because people sort of are addicted to hearing the bad news and and the fear and that stuff sells. But but insulate yourself from that. I'm not saying you can't you know watch. Uh, the next blockbuster movie that has some violence in it. I'm not one of those people that, that says don't watch any of it, but keep it in perspective. It affects your mood, it affects your body, it affects your mind. And then I talk about the the supplements that people uh, just email to info at redpillmedical um, and I and I'll you know, I'm sure I can share this with you so they can. I'll send them the immune boosting regimen that can help them that we spoke a little bit about earlier. Um, people need to exercise four to six week days a week if possible. And I, I really think the strength training, weight training is very important, not just aerobic stuff, especially you know in women, helps with the bones and all that. Talk to people about going out in nature as frequent as possible, but at least once a week. And when you go outside, even if you're just walking to your car, look up at the sky. It's amazing how people will walk around for weeks, months, and never look up. Just look up at the sky, look at the clouds, appreciate the beauty, appreciate the sun, appreciate the birds that are flying overhead. These kind of things reconnect you with yourself and that's appreciating things on a daily basis. And I think that going along that is realizing that we are all connected and I have to to, to remind myself of this, because sometimes when I'm out in public and I see people wearing three and four masks and the gloves and all this, and they're in a car, I just I just, just want to scream at them and say, "What are you doing?" But then I realize that we are we're all connected, you know, in a quantum and a spiritual way, and, and and you just sort of have to love those people anyway, and and realize that that is their reality, because that reality for that person is that they need to do that. So for them, at that moment, that's the best. But I think if you Live by example. We can help some of these people come out of that. And then the other thing is is becoming uh, more politically active, and, and and the old fashioned writing letters to your mayors, governors, congressmen, and all that actually has some effect. Uh, starting a petition. I, I want to announce. I actually started a petition yesterday. It's already got you know a decent amount of signatures, and I want to. I'll, I'll give you the link for that. But it's an I petition for getting uh, health care uh, health insurance carriers to. Uh, give coverage for CBD, because one of the biggest problems with with CBD is cost, because good CBD can cost, you know, can get up there in terms of money, especially people that have chronic pain, severe pain, because they often need much bigger doses. They, they, you know, I have chronic pain patients that need to take 400, 800 milligrams a day. That gets really pricey. Insurance should cover this. So, um, James, I, I will send you the link. Maybe you could post it Because if people could come and it's free, they just sign the petition, this is one of the things that I'm doing to try and help push forward that we start getting benefits for people that are struggling to pay their insurance premiums, and then it doesn't pay for anything that actually keeps them healthy, it just pays for medications. So it needs to, to, we need to get some political pressure to have CBD covered by health insurance companies yeah so that that's that's all I have for that yeah
0: no i'll actually i'll put the uh, the link on the webpage for this uh this episode, and I'll put it out when i when I air the episode on social media as well, but I think that actually kind of segues to a good point that I've observed now we're we're a year into this. it's funny, I've seen some kind of tongue in cheek memes saying, does anyone you know I need some fashion ideas for what I'm gonna wear for the one year anniversary <laughs> of fourteen days <laughs> to slow the curve <laughs> yeah. but um but no but joking apart you know if if it's lives that we care about then where is the initiative to stop spraying our food with chemicals stop treating our animals like you know stock in a a factory warehouse to to serve healthy food to kids and make sure that PE is put back into all programs you know if we really care about health all those have been put in but a year from now none of that has so I you know whether it's CBD whether it's chiropractic all these prevention measures should absolutely be supported by insurance companies. Cause not only will they save money, but I've never seen a police officer die because he touched CBD, but I've seen a shitload of them die because they touched fentanyl, (laughs) you know? So there's a very real, you know, deadly reason to also support holistic things like this because the, especially the uncontrolled illicit drugs, and that's a whole nother conversation about drug prohibition in this country. But, um, you know, they, uh, allowing the criminals to have access to all those drugs is is killing so many of our people causing so much violence on the street so the more proactive holistic elements that we have the less of that stuff is going to be around the less people that are going to die I've, I've lost three firefighters personally to to overdoses and i know that they uh, at least two of them turned to heroin because they weren't able to get prescription opiates anymore so you know cbd literally would have saved their lives
1: yeah, it's 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 hard to see when people that should still be here aren't here because of things like this. And, you know, there's a simple reason why all these other things we talk about aren't emphasized because it just simply doesn't fit the narrative of, of what the agenda is. And that's really the key here. And this is why there has to be some political action, because the, the people that that are supposed to be representing us have to know that they can get removed. And you see here in California. I'm pretty sure they're pretty almost have enough signatures to, to try and, um, have uh, Gavin Newsom, uh, uh, put out of office. I mean, people need to know that there is some consequences because I, I think that the governments in general, uh, they, they, they don't have responsibility for their actions. They certainly don't have fiscal responsibility. Like, you know, if you or I uh, blow our money, you know, playing slot machines in Vegas and then you can't pay your bills, you, there's a consequence, you're personally paying for that. But when the government blows off our money you know, on something, they just tax or find another way or print more money. So the, the people that are making some of these decisions aren't, they're insulated from the consequences. And I think that's the biggest problem. So you need real people that have lived through some of these consequences that, that go into some political power positions that really have people's best interests at heart because it's still not happening. And um, you know it's a, a, a it's a, a whole conversation of what happened in the political landscape recently. But but we need to have people that really represent people to get some of these things like coverage for CBD and other things that really help keep keep people healthy. You need better people in office to do that.
0: Absolutely, and people are gonna gonna get their uh, their heckles up a little bit. But I always point out it's not left or right. We've had an obesity epidemic growing for decades, so that's both yeah. sides of the. The fence are responsible for this, so I think our system is broken. You know, there are so many pockets that are filled with special interest groups that are contributing to the deaths of Americans and British and you know other Western countries. So we need people, whatever their political persuasion, that actually have the health of this country as their main priority.
1: Yeah, and and again, I hate to belabor the point, but people that are healthy are not profitable, I, and I think that's the reality that we have to look at and understand why some of the things have happened. And I don't, again, when I've said so many things in the past, I'll get people that are upset with me that work for a pharmaceutical company or, or that I'm, they're saying you're bashing it, and I don't. I, I do believe there are a lot, like you said, there are a lot of medications that are great, and I think most, and I've talked to so many people that work in these organizations, and, and they are good people trying to do the right thing. But I think when you're in the upper echelons in the boardroom and people are looking at profit and losses and and trying to be beholden to shareholders and things like that, there are decisions made um, and information that's uh, omitted or just suppressed that would affect the bottom line. And that's when it hurts the masses of people out there. And that's what has to stop.
0: Yeah, I agree 100%. Well, that we talked about the uh, documentaries. I just want to say as well, to everyone listening. So you also have a book, CBD: What You Need to Know. Um, so tell me where people can find that, so they can learn more about CBD and endocannabinoids.
1: Well, there's an ebook that I give to people for free. So when, when you put the thing, uh, the uh, email address, and all that, and when you when you post that, I I'll, I can have that sent out to them. Uh, the The book, uh, the 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 book that will be for you know, that will cost money. Also got delayed because of COVID, and uh, and so I, I'm going to have an update on that. But that's there's so many things that sort of came to an end. It's really weird for me personally. Last March was a big month in terms of things that were going on for me uh, uh, personally and business wise, and they all got canceled out uh, because it was all happening in March. There's so many things I had planned. I was flying to New York to do some. A, a big distribution deal for the company in mid-March and everything just got canceled. And and so I'm, some of the things I'm telling people to do, I, I practice what I preach because I was really upset and down over this whole thing for a while. And then you know, you realize, look, this is an opportunity. Everything happens for a reason. And, and, and really just turn this all around and look at the, the good side of the lockdown, so to speak, that the, the some people that's been able to really reconnect with their children and their family and be at home more and realize that you don't have to do you know two-hour day commutes and the advent of people more people working from home, I think is that was a trend that was moving, but I think we got a trend that will have taken maybe ten years to happen literally overnight because of this. So I try and look at the good the good uh, parts of it, but yeah, that book was d- delayed. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, I think the efficiency side is is great. And, you know, I think about especially L.A., the people that sat in, you know, I-5 or some of the yeah. other horrendous freeways for hours and hours to go sit in a cubicle now realize that they can do exactly the same thing and spend another two or three hours with their kids, which is amazing.
1: Absolutely. And the lack of the, the less pollution. I, I, I You probably remember they were showing the videos of different parts of the world and the before and after, after two weeks of no one being outside and the animals coming out and the, you know, seeing things clearly. I mean, that's a beautiful thing. And, and so it, there, there's things that there's value, I think, at least at the beginning to just getting everybody off the, you know, the, the merry-go-round of life and just to stop for a minute and really think about it. But 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 the wheels came off of that philosophy once we were, you know, four or five, six, seven months into this, like enough is enough. But I think at the beginning, it was actually a good thing for a lot of reasons not so much covid because i don't think it did a whole lot but, but i think for just having people take stock their lives really sitting down and thinking about their lives spending time with their family really understanding what's important in life so that that was very helpful
0: yeah and also if your employer let you go after about six days of covid then you realize you probably shouldn't be working for them anymore anyway <laughs> <laughs> that's right that's right That's right. hashtag disney all right um <laughs> So, all right. Well, then so some closing questions. The first one I love to ask, is there a book that you love to recommend? It can be related to what we've discussed or something completely unrelated.
1: Yeah, I, there's, there's, a, there's a couple. Um, I, I love, and it, this book is probably 12, or 15 years old, but I love The Biology of Belief. I don't know if you're familiar with that book. But the biology belief is is a a, a great book, and um, I think it's Bruce Lipton that wrote that book, and and I think it's it's really uh, it's really a, a it's science and spiritual at the same time. It's a scientist that was not spiritual or believed in 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 sort of the quantum uh, world that sort of proved it scientifically, not only in his book but to himself. It's a great book. It's the bestseller, "Biology Belief" by um, by Bruce Lipton. And then the other one is called, I believe, Gosh, you know, I got to open my. I'm going to turn on my little Kindle here because I was. (laughs) No problem. I finished this book about two weeks ago, and this is a this is a new book, and it is it's it's fantastic. But it's about it's about the um, people getting sick. From uh, electromagnetic uh, pollution. Um, and it also shows how people are, um, uh, that all the pandemics that have occurred over the last you know, couple centuries have been related to the electrification of our society. And I think that, that is a tremendous, it's going to come up here and again. I think it's called the electric rainbow of course, every time you want something to work, it doesn't. Okay, here it is. It's just popped up. Okay, it's called The Invisible Rainbow. Arthur Furstenberg. And it's a a, don't let the size of the book intimidate you because it's a huge book. But then you realize that like I think it's like 500 pages, but like almost half the book is references. It's the most referenced book I've ever read in my life. So it's actually not that long to read, but he basically he he basically is relating not just COVID nineteen, but the Spanish flu and H one N one and all the flu epidemics to incremental um, increases in the electrification of our society, and with five G coming, um, showing what that's doing, but showing what happened when four G came out and three G. Uh, all the way back to the telegraph and radar and all the epidemics that followed it. And so he's sort of connecting the dots for COVID-19. It's extremely interesting and it's extremely helpful for people that have a lot of these mystery illnesses that are coming up and often it's just the the sensitivity they have to the, the, to the electric, um, the radio fields, magnetic fields in our atmosphere because there's a certain small segment of the population that is very sensitive to this, and they're sick, and you, there's there's documentaries on that. And sometimes when I've reached people that have these mystery illnesses, and I have them, you know, unplug everything, get rid of their router at home, just completely get rid of all the the electrical pollution as much as they can, they start to sleep better. That's another reason there's insomnia. You know, get rid, turn your cell phone off, turn the router off in your house, turn all the stuff that's bouncing electricity off. That's why people always, sleep better and get restful sleep when they're in a cabin somewhere in nature. They're not exposed to all that. So that that's a really interesting book. Those are the two that I like. Long-winded. Sorry about that. No, no.
0: That was brilliant. But I actually, I've got a question as well because, you know, the the other element of a lot of these diseases come from – human filth whether it's us caging animals in small spaces where they shouldn't be naturally or you know my my question to you is after reading this book did he find any correlations with the trenches of world war one and and the rotting you know corpses that men and women were having to walk around and the spanish flu of that time
1: well there are other books that cover that and that is certainly what you said a hundred percent true but that particular book he was really focused on the The electric pollution that we have in our uh, in our our air in our air which is which is a very real thing but but what you said is completely true I mean the Spanish flu was again the whole this is the whole massive debate and everything. Those people were in such horrific conditions that's one of the main reasons why it it spread so rapidly it wasn't so much that everyone was you know that, that weren't wearing masks and all that. A different topic but yeah the, the trend the the conditions if, if people if no one's ever studied world war one that's something to study in terms of the conditions those soldiers were in those trench trench foot and the trenches it's unbelievable and i and i and i only really got into that because my son had to do a project uh a, a year or so ago for sixth grade for that that's how i really when i and then i ended up reading all the stuff that he didn't read because i was just so engrossed in it and watching videos it's 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 amazing what those those men went through.
0: Yeah, horrendous. But then again, we talk about prevention. You know that that was a self inflicted, you know issue. You know men fought men and murdered men, and you know some of these other things like mad cow disease back from the UK. I still can't give blood to this day because we, you know, that we we as a British had no idea, but there were farms feeding ground up dead cows to cows, herbivores, and you know yeah. that that came. So I think there's another thing we need to retroactively look whether it's like you said. Uh, the electrical pollution whether it's you know the way that we're farming the you know we could have not had a COVID-19 had we not been doing some of these things that we did and and allowed these these mutations to happen because of filthy human or farming practices
1: you know James it's 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 amazing that we're alive when you think about it the the amount of things that the, the human body has had to deal with, and the human body adapts. That's how we're still alive. It adapts to all these problems over time. But it just shows, again, how amazing the body is. All these stressors, whether it's pollution, physical pollution, noise pollution, electrical pollution, horrific food, I mean, the, the food that most people eat that's processed and fast foods, I mean, these are all recipes to, for bad health and, and death. And the fact that you see people that have eaten you know, at fast food restaurants for four years and still fine, still living, they may not be fine, but they're still, it's, it's amazing to me. So the body is extremely resilient. So think about, if people think about, if, we're, if, if you can live through all that, what would happen to people? How long would they live? What would our quality of life be if we actually lived in a clean environment, ate great food all the time, had good rest? had had the physical fitness i mean we would be living on you know heaven on earth if people were put in those kind of conditions
0: yeah and if we listen to mother nature after we all locked down from covid and you know she answered and then we started wrapping everything in plastic (laughs) instead so (laughs) (laughs) all right well then we talked about the book is there a film and or a documentary that you love to recommend
1: yeah i i mean uh I like the, the film Vaxxed and Vaxxed 2 about vaccines. Um, I think um, um, the doc in that movie, who um, uh, he's a good guy. I mean, he came to our second premiere and I went to his and uh, he, he's been vilified and he discovered what he discovered by accident and it wasn't even about vaccines. But I think that's it's very timely to watch those films now because of what's going on with the vaccination with, with COVID-19, and people get the truth. And also, um, JFK, I'm, I'm sorry, Robert, was it? Yeah, Robert FK, Robert FK Jr.'s uh, uh, Robert, uh, Robert FK's, uh, son, RFK's son, uh, RFK Jr., he's been, he's an attorney. If you go to Robert Kennedy Jr.'s website, I'm blanking on the name of the website right now, but this guy's been fighting the vaccine industry for many, many years on legal battles. And if you go to his website and see the statistics and the videos on that website, I think your your jaw goes to the floor when you see what's been, how the public's been duped about vaccines in general. Now, whether a person decides to take a vaccine or, or not is your, your choice. I'm always about giving people both sides of the story, and that's what angers me about almost everything in healthcare right now, including vaccines is a huge one, is that people aren't given the other side and when the other side starts to just squeak out a little bit like god forbid you go on CNN or Fox or some national uh, program and start to say something that's not part of the agenda um and then people perk up then you get vilified as a quack or it's junk science or it's conspiracy and it's and and it's not when you go on these websites and see the real science that's been done and the fact of all the damage that vaccines have caused and here and in other countries, and it's astounding uh, what's happened. Vaccines that were having problems here are then given to children in Africa and sterilizing and scores, killing scores of people. And then you say, but hey, forget about all that. We got a new vaccine for you that we invented in less than a year. <laughs> Come get it. You know what I mean? Maybe you still want to get it, but I think people need to have all their information before they make a decision like that.
0: Yeah, well, and the thing that the thing for me is again, it's it's personal choice, and obviously, you know, there's, yeah, you know, there's there's people like you said that are very vulnerable that maybe you know it, it'll it'll save a life, but my argument is this, and I I did a little video about it not too long ago. Okay, you had the vaccine, now what? You know, have you changed anything about your life? Have you improved your 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 wellness, or did you just stick a needle in your arm and want that quick fix like you do with your blood pressure meds and your diabetes meds? You know, at some point there has to be ownership of the individual too, and understanding that the way you're going to be resilient is not sticking drugs in you, but creating, as you said, this, this, this homeostasis in the human body that allows the natural immunity to fight whatever comes our way.
1: Yeah, I look, I, I don't. Again, I like to separate fact from my opinion. My my opinion is, is that if your immune system is strong, why do you need to have the vaccine. I mean, and and that's a big question, and I'm sure I could get uh, vaccine supporter physicians on here that would want to debate me, you know, big time on that. And I and I would welcome that because there's a, a lot of reasons why I would say that. Um, and and then you have to weigh the benefits and versus the problems of getting it. And it's, it's all about do you trust them? Do you trust what's in that bottle? And I think when you look at when you watch movies like Vax and Dr. Andrew Wakefield and he's been vilified, if you, if, you, if you Google that guy, he's a quack, he's a this, he's a that, this guy was a super respected doctor in Britain, right? Um, and, 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 and after he put out a paper that didn't even get any notice for years until someone that was in the anti-vaccine community pulled it up, he got destroyed, his license taken away, just, just super nice guy, very intelligent man, and they're telling the truth. People don't, you know, they don't want the truth known. I mean, one one little little smidget. So most people don't realize there's a vaccine court um, where that's awarded millions and millions of dollars. And according to, I think, uh, Robert caney Jr. Robert Jr. Um, says it's only paid out 1% of all the claims. And it's hundreds of millions of dollars, I believe, already. So you can't sue the... The if you if your kid gets a vaccine and and the next day he's neurologically impaired and three days later he's no longer you know, you know verbal and all these things that you see in the vax movie you can't sue the vaccine makers just like for COVID nineteen you have to go to something called vaccine court um, and the kicker is if you win and a lot of people win and they get settlements they they give them, put them gag orders so they can't write about it or talk about it and then the the, the double whammy is that the money comes from the taxpayers. That's paid out the vaccine course, funded by taxpayer money. So the 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 the, uh, the companies that make vaccines are completely insulated from liability. They have a population that's being duped into getting them uh, and and told they need them. And and they're hoping more than anybody for a mandate because then uh, would you love to have a product that you? How much money could you make from any product that you make where you have? no liability, you can't be sued, and everybody's forced to buy it. I mean, this is what we're looking at. So, again, my opinion, look at the movies, read about it, go to his site, read the facts for yourself, and you can make an intelligent decision at that point.
0: Absolutely. Well, again, like I said, I, I don't cling tightly to one side or the other i kind of stand square in the middle you know as you said collecting evidence and trying to educate myself but one thing that i do say you know publicly is no one can no one can be mad at the people questioning the vaccine when the two groups that you're being asked to trust are politicians and drug companies and i always say (laughs) if it was nelson mandela and desmond tutu telling me it'd be different you know these are good good people that you know have people's you know Um, best interest at heart. But those are not two groups of politicians traditionally overall, excuse me, two groups of people that were known for ethics. So how can you, you know, how you can't be angry that people are skeptical about, about this vaccine. And there's people that are running towards it, you know, full belt and, and good for you. Like you said, it's an individual choice, but I don't think it's fair to vilify the people that are questioning it when it's not coming from a source that traditionally has has you know improved our nation.
1: I, I just don't understand that that if when the naysayers will say, and again, it's not just vaccines, any topic it could be mask wearing, could be the whole COVID nineteen is it real, all these things. If they say, oh, that's conspiracy, it's it's bad information, so we're going to censor it, we're going to deplatform. If it's so bad, why do you think people are that stupid? They're not giving the the American public a chance to make a decision. To me. If I think that what I'm doing, if if I think my product, let's say, is better than this product, I'd say, okay, try mine, try theirs, and you decide. Because I'm confident in what I'm doing. But we're in a situation now where, okay, here's our product, but we're not gonna allow you to even see the other products because they're bad and it's disinformation and fake. They're not even giving people the chance. So when people do that, the first thing I think is there's something wrong here. They don't want me to know this other information because there's probably true. It makes me think it's true just by the fact that they don't want you to look at it. So, this is what makes me angry about the whole thing is that I don't care if everybody if everybody or nobody gets the vaccine or if everybody does this or doesn't do that. But if but people are not making decisions with all the information, that's the problem. Like I said, you look at the the history of mask wearing, every study that you can find for the last umpteen years, masks don't work. All of a sudden, there's like all these new studies in the last 12 months that say masks work. I mean, really? I mean, what what changed? COVID-19. They were all done during the COVID-19. So you start to, you know, we know that that science has been co-opted in many, many ways politically and financially. So you can make a lot of scientific studies say whatever you want. And that's just the truth. Um, As I've been involved in scientific studies, and you can manipulate data to make it sound to say whatever you want. But I just want people to have an opportunity to see all the evidence and then make your own decision.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I wanna think a perfect example is, you know, the, the, everything's been about isolation, nothing's been about underlying conditions and wellness. I mean that's been suppressed. So, you know, if you want to talk about a one sided narrative, that's it. You know, and uh, with the masks, just again from a first responder's lens when we have the N95 mask issued to us, we do a fit test. You know, we have to put it on. It has to pass all these tests and they spray this little, you know, um, spray in there. That's an acrid smell. Can you smell it? No. Okay. And you're talking and you're moving your head side to side. That's for a one-time use N95, you know. So, would with, with that work in, the, in a clinical setting? Probably. But that's not what the, the nation's wearing, you know, not even close. So, not exactly.
1: Yeah. yeah. Not at all.
0: All right. Well, then the next question, is there a person you recommend to come on this podcast as a guest to speak to the first responders, military and associated professions of the world?
1: Who, <laughs> boy. I think uh, there are several. Um, I think I think um, since it's more of a, a medical sound that I would say Dr. Um, Learon Keneally, I spoke of her earlier she speaks a lot. I've actually spoken, I've done, uh, some, uh, when, when we were doing live, when you could go to hotels and do a live thing, I've spoken with her at certain places and she's a great person, um, and very, very smart woman. And has been around for a long time. She's done some very innovative things with, with cancer and some other, um, disease symptoms. So I would definitely get Dr. Keneally on the show.
0: Brilliant. Thank you. All right. Well then the last question before we make sure everyone knows where to find you, what do you do to decompress?
1: What do I do? I meditate every day unless I'm just like on the road and forget or something. And I can always tell if I'm I try and meditate every day. I exercise pretty much every day. Um I like to go out in nature. I mean, we I'm lucky where I live. I live across from the, the, the beach. Um, so I'm able to get out to the, the water and But I used to live in a, I used to live in a, uh, a, a 300 foot, a little, uh, studio apartment in New York city in Brooklyn. So I, I, I know what I was far from born with silver spoon. I know what it feels like to be living in small spaces with no money. Um, I mean, and I grew up in Ohio, but I'm talking about when I was, was in New York. So I sympathize dramatically for people that don't have access to outdoor spaces, but I, I like to go outside every day, you know, uh, because I just feel the energy from out the air, the sun, that type of thing. Those are the main things, and I and I do things to make me laugh. I'm always joking around, and I do things to make other people laugh, and I like to, you know, and I and I play some video games with my son sometimes. <laughs> I just. I, just, just there's there's just little things like that, but those are the core things: the going, the nature, the meditation, physical exercise. Those are the main things. And you eat, you know, you eat well. Eat well. That's important.
0: Beautiful. All right. Well, then the last question: If people want to learn more about you, if they want to buy a Red Pill, where are the best places to go online?
1: Well, about a year ago, you know, we we basically have been confining Red Pill to healthcare providers and independent pharmacies. And we do independent because I, I look at them just like I look at the small farmer versus factory farms with independent pharmacies up against the big chain pharmacies. So, um, but, but for situations like for you and things like that, they can uh, just call, uh, they, can, they can email to info at redpillmedical.com. They can go to the website redpillmedical.com, but you can't really buy off there anymore. But if they call the number off the, um, the website there... We and, and they say that they were heard you from the show, which they, they've done many times. Uh, we give them discounts, we help them, um, and that's that's not an issue. And the number for red pills, uh, one or 844 733 5442, that's a toll free number 844 733 So, um, yeah, those are. Those you know, and I'm I'm always happy for people to email me directly and, and my email is gsmith at redpillmedical I love to hear the questions and, and things like I get a lot of emails I always tell people if I don't answer right back, it's not because I'm not, it's just <laughs> sometimes it takes me some time and you know, they may get an email at one in the morning or something, but but I try and answer everybody because I think it's important.
0: Beautiful. Well, Doctor Smith, I want to say thank you again. It's been another great conversation. Thank you for you know what you've done for you know the the uh, addiction element and trying to find holistic you know tools for people to use instead. Like I said, I I love the Red Pill. This is the Gold Zero. The Gold. Excuse me. The Gold Daily is the one I take, which is zero THC for everyone listening. Um, but yeah just thank you for another great conversation and just like you said it's education we've got to hear all these different different angles and different layers for us to figure out what our own personal journey is going to be so thank you for taking so much time and and you know educating us today
1: well you're very welcome and you know for me it's just begun I just this is what what I live for is just to, to do more and more so and I and I really appreciate what you do I mean, what you do and the first responder community is beyond, I mean, I think I told you, um, I think the first time we spoke, I may have talked about it, but uh, we had a fire here at the house back in 2014, I believe, 2015, two days after Christmas, you know, uh, like at four in the morning. And I, the way that we were treated, you know, when you're just that completely outside your underwear, completely just, you don't know what's going on, just the confusion, the way that the Redondo Beach fire department and police department treated us. They actually had a fund in the fire, Redondo Fire Department has this fund where they pay for a hotel for two days for you, you know, because sometimes you don't have a wallet on your money. So it, it was unbelievable. And it's it's sometimes when when you really you don't really appreciate what people are doing sometimes until you really need them. So I can't tell you how many times I've gotten in conversations with police officers and firefighters. Uh, it's just it's great people. That's all I can say. So I, what I, what I saw happening to the police this this past summer I thought was, was horrific because there are definitely a few bad police officers, bad doctors, there's bad lawyers, there's bad everybody, but you don't sit there and treat a whole community of people that are literally risking their, their lives on a daily basis and treat people that way. So thank you and thank all the first responders that are, that are listening to this.